dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever, sister. You always start the recording when I'm not ready. So I was just thinking as I was about ready to hit record, I was thinking, I don't, I don't think I've meant to, but I've kind of been, been <laughs> halfway intentionally awkward this morning <laughs> in preparation for this recording. And I don't know why. There, there's like this. You've been halfway I, I, intentionally I'm awkward? I'm amused. I don't, I am. I don't know. I've been kind of amused by watching you squirm. I don't know why. But like, <laughs> it's just been a weird, it's been a weird, like, beginning of this podcast. Like, we, we chatted, then I was doing a Instagram post, then you were like reading emails. <laughs> I don't know. It just felt weird. It's been super weird. And then you had two squirrels during the prayer. <laughs> I know. That was bad. <laughs> oh, cowboy. Yeah, but there I'm was like a sudden deluge, 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 deluge of yeah, I think rain that's it. Um, while I was praying. And then this poor Amish man, like riding by with his little pony thing in the midst of this deluge. And I just felt bad for him. And so well, the both Amish of those don't even things, have roofs on their houses. So like they, they're just used to the rain. That's not true. They, they live in like... <laughs> In little huts without roofs, right? I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. You're such a liar. (laughs) You're lying to all of our listeners. So I'm taking a Father Michael Lachlan style Pustinia tonight. I think that's why I'm a little bit weird right now is that I I am so looking forward to. So every month I try to take one extra like five hours off. So it's like we we as we as priests get one day off a week, and I try try to take an extra like an extra evening just totally off, um, and I'm going to do that this evening. So I'm I'm literally I think have major senioritis for kind of a, a Pustinia esque thing that I'll be doing. That's fun. You get a but day off every week. Yeah. That's nice. Well, we don't get any of these retreat days or Bustinia <laughs> days or like that. So I got I to gotta, I gotta make them into my own. That's fair. It's been really hard, actually. So we get at our monastery, we get a retreat day once a month. So we have a Pustinia. I should do an episode sometime on just like the structure of our monastery, um, of the monastic life and like what our daily life looks like and all that. Have we done that before? I feel like we already did that. That's, that'd be really funny if we have. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you doing this just to make me feel better for forgetting entire no. episodes? No, I don't think we have. I, th- I, I think, think somebody, I think it was like a Q&A or something like that. Somebody asked. Okay, whatever. Anyways. Okay, listeners, they, they know better than we do. If, if Can you please email Sister Natalia, email the podcast because she's the only one that checks and, 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 and email Sister Natalia and, <laughs> and let her know if we have done one. Yeah, you can also email me with ideas for podcast topics because I couldn't think of one today and it was horrible. Uh, so this whole episode is going to be banter. I'm just kidding. That's hmm. not true. The No, but anyways, we get a retreat day once a month from, we go in after matins, so 8 a.m. until Compline at 9 p.m. We have a retreat day, so we have a day of silence and prayer. And, uh, and... That's once a month, but in the time leading up to your life profession, I think the six months leading up to your life profession, you get an extra retreat day a month. So you get two a month. But for me, 
that's been like a year and a half <laughs> because my that's profession funny. kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. So I've had two retreat days a month for so long because mother was like, I mean, let's be honest, you probably could use an extra retreat day a month right now. And I was like, <laughs> that's true. So anyways, it's been nice. kind of hard to fit them in with all of the things going on. and But I've been fitting them in. But the point of that is that this week... I have so last week I had two retreat days because one was at the end of one month and one was at the beginning of the next month. But then also this coming week I have a retreat day that goes directly into Pustinia. So I have like three days in a row of And how silence. often is your Pustinia? Once a month for okay. about forty eight hours. So Cool. Yeah. So I'm saying you're right. I need, that I need you get, get you get it one day you get one yeah. day a week, but I get all these <clears throat> these extra things. So And I'm actually very blessed. Most priests they'll be like parents mm-hmm. and a day's off, not really a day is not a day off. Mm-hmm. Um you just you're just doing things that you you know, laundry and house cleaning and things like that. That's your day off. Um but uh but with Father Nathan here, like this, with the, I, I do it about, I'm, I'm trying to get it in once a month where I actually like leave the property for the whole day. And that's what I'm going to do tomorrow for my day off. So mm. I did that last week, actually, and it was great. I discovered an awesome new cigar bar down in El Segundo. I walked around Manhattan Beach. If you follow me on Instagram, you can see that my post about urban exploring and solo travel and all the cool architecture I saw. I don't follow so. you on Instagram. Sorry. I'm glad you don't have Instagram. <laughs> you shouldn't have Instagram. It could be really good. And actually, living in LA, it's kind of how people be in contact with each other. You don't share, like I think I've said before, you don't share phone numbers, you share Instagram handles, and then you just get to know each other that way, then get in the DMs, and if you want, then share phone numbers that way if if you want to be in better contact. but That's yeah, very so weird. I, so it works. But Instagram, that's because it's all, LA, unfortunately, a lot of it's all about like self-promotion. So... Instagram is all about self promotion. This has nothing to do with what you're talking about. I'm just moving on. The but the this morning I had to so I had to jump one of our cars because someone left a light on in the car. And does that mean like you robbed it or you like started it up? Sorry, I wish God. this was on video so people could see how ridiculously pleased you were with that joke. I just <laughs> I should the, imagine you jumping a car. <laughs> Put your hands. <laughs> like I had to jump the battery. What did you say? Jump the car? Isn't that what you say? Yeah, I'm just razzing you. Oh well, I had to do that, and I've only had to jump a car a few times, but for some reason, I think it's jump a bit, jump the battery. Actually, oh. <laughs> you do you. Go ahead. <laughs> I've only had to do this. I think I think two or three times, and okay. um. Probably three, but every time I do, and and I'm in, I studied engineering, right? In fact, I studied engineering physics, which means I studied circuits, and yet every time I do this, I'm panicking the whole time that I'm gonna like blow something up, and that I'm gonna put something in the wrong spot, and then I'm gonna blow something up, and obviously that hasn't happened, and obviously why would it? Because all you do is just plug them in in the right order, and everything. I don't think fine, it blows but, anything up, but it definitely. I've seen. I've seen jumper cables melt. That's happened before. <gasps> I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, well, that if you, if you, if you put them the wrong ones, like the whole thing just kind of like all of the plastic on the outside of the cable starts melting, and it's actually kind of cool. But they got to clean it up and buy a new set. So, oh, we have. I'm watching. I'm so distracted today, Father Michael. Shut the windows, sister. Shut the drapes. I can't because that's where the hot spot is. Oh, maybe that would be fine. Actually, 
You said drapes. <laughs> I was thinking anyways, but I'm seeing Mother Eliana and Olivia carry groceries in right now. I'm drinking a Red Bull because I'm very tired today. So don't tell Olivia. Okay. That's funny to say because she listens to all the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, what, is that like tempting to her or does she not no, like you she gets, Red Bulls? Yeah, she gets mad at me for drinking Red Bulls. Listeners Speaking remember that, this. Like the battery doesn't explode, but your heart might explode, sister. Oh. As if I am one to judge. Yeah, I know. You drink all the Red Bulls and all the, yeah. My heart's doing great. I went, I ran over four miles today. Amen. So that was really great. Uh, Maybe that's why I'm tired. Okay, we're going to move into the topic. I snooze four times. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We are. On to Jesus. We are just different people. No, I also hit the snooze button a lot. I like to sleep. The, uh. I'm hiking a 14er while I'm in Colorado. Are you going to hike a 14? Oh, you'll be on retreat at that point. Not that you would want to do it anyways. By the way, I don't, I think, I think that whole trip might be. No. I just don't know. Sister. You're canceling I, the whole trip. You're my, telling me this while whole, we're podcasting. My whole I'm family cry. is out of town. My whole family's out of town. Oh no. Like everybody. I just found everybody. out that I just found out two days ago, maybe yesterday that your mom and dad are out of town and I wanted to exactly. cry. Because I was just about to email them to see if I could come over for lunch or something. Yeah. And I got on to email them and I had an email from your dad that was like, we're going to be out of town for your home visit. Sean and Rebecca are out of town <laughs> the whole week, like the whole time, the whole time I would be there. So anyway, I still do have a couple of family, but the reason why I just can't do it is because then, well, I, I will talk to you later, but then I want to go like, <laughs> I want to go when everybody's there and I can't take yeah. two weeks off. No, so. yeah. You should totally anyway. go when your family's there. That makes yeah. sense for sure. Um, Cause I'll see you like the whole next 10 days when you're on a retreat. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be in silence though, other than our meetings for real <laughs> father, Michael, for real. <laughs> All right. Onto the topic. Okay. Oh, I can't believe you told me that on the podcast. That was horrible. You should have waited. I know, sorry. But you're still doing the companions. Yes. Okay, good. All right, so I, like I said, before we started recording, I didn't know what I wanted to talk about today. And No disclaimers, just go into it. All these Sister Natalia disclaimers. Oh, Michael. What, what is the topic, Sister Natalia? You're just really mean to me sometimes. I'm sorry. We are, no, you're not. Um, I want to share a few of my favorite passages from the Philokalia. Nice. Philokalia. I've heard it both ways. So I want to. So, sh- what is the Philokalia? Oh, the Philokalia is a collection of writings from some of the church fathers. That's the whole story. I don't know what else to say about it. Do you have anything else to say about it? If you've ever read The Way of a Pilgrim, it's one of the two books he carried with him. So mm-hmm. people, everybody knows the Bible because he carried the Bible. He also called the, carried the Philokalia. So it's, a, it's, it's an ascetical collection of, of writings from the fathers, desert fathers, et cetera, on how to live like a good monk or nun. Yeah. And since, as we've talked about multiple times, in the East, the view is that everyone is meant to live as a monk or a nun, simply to the degree that they're able within their vocation, I wanted to share these with everybody. Amen. So that's the whole story. So the first one I want to, so I'm going to share, I'm going to share passages from, and this will probably be a shorter episode and that's fine, but I'm not going to actually say that because that's giving a disclaimer, which I'm not supposed to do. (laughs) The, 
So I'm going to share excerpts from three different fathers. Uh, these Amen. are three. Of, these are probably my three favorites, actually. At least in volume one. I'm only in volume one, so honesty moment. But they are three of my favorites. So I'll share. Before I share the excerpt from each of them, I'll share a little bit of the bio from each of them. I'm not going to read the whole bio out loud, but the so the first one is Evagrius. I really like Evagrius. Evagrius, he's known as Evagrius the Solitary or Evagrius Ponticus or Evagrius of Pontus. And he was born in the mid fourth century. And he was a disciple. This is kind of relevant because we just had a couple of weeks ago, we had the episode on the Eastern view of discerning a vocation, right? I don't remember what you called that, but he was a disciple. Oh, Father Michael's thoughts on <laughs> the Eastern view of discerning a vocation. I don't want to say that that's a common yeah, thing, but yes, you're right. <laughs> the, he was, so Evagrius was a disciple of the Cappadocian fathers who you were talking about. So he was ordained reader by St. Basil the Great, and he was ordained deacon by St. Gregory the Theologian, who nice. we talked about both of them on that episode. He was never ordained a priest. And then he, um, towards the end of the fourth century, he went to the desert in Egypt and he spent the last 16 years of his life there and died there in the desert. And he, so according to the, Philokalia, the that's how you've been saying it, right? I just want us to be consistent. I Philokalia. say Philokalia. Philokalia. Okay, that's yeah. what I usually say, but for some reason I thought okay. you said Philokalia. Okay, so the Philokalia. Uh, according to the Philokalia, Evagrius, they, they kind of separate his writings into two categories. They're speculative and practical. Mm-hmm. And on the speculative side, he relies heavily on origin. And then... Um, on the practical side, it's just a lot of the the desert fathers of Egypt, especially the cops, and because that's where he spent the the last years of his life. And then he, the Philokalia says he possessed to an exceptional degree the gifts of psychological insight and vivid description, together with the ability to analyze and define with remarkable precision the various stages on the spiritual way. Here, his teachings, so far from being condemned, have exercised a decisive influence upon subsequent writers. So St. John Cashin was one of his disciples. And St. John Cashin, um, he abandoned some of the more suspect theories that Evagrius got from origin. And then he transmitted the practical aspect of Evagrius' teachings to the Latin West. So Cashin is one of the other ones that I'm going to talk about today. But the... Do you, do you know what day? Sorry, and th- this is I'm not I'm not you should not know this, but do you know what when John Cashin's feast day is? February 29th. Yes, proud of you. Thank you. That was a rare moment in which I actually got something right. He only gets he only gets a he only gets a feast day once every four years. I know. We usually That's celebrate. Why it's so easy to remember. We usually celebrate him on the first, I think, of March. Yeah just so that we still get to. But this is, oh, this is a funny story about, so I don't remember if I've told this before, but Evagrius being, getting a lot of his stuff from origin, his speculative things. He, um, I, I remember- his love of castration. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I remember the, the bishop asked me one time, which of, uh, which of the, um, Eastern writers, Eastern authors that I like 
the most. And one of the, I just said the first thing that came to mind and I said origin (laughs) and, (laughs) and because I do, I do like a lot of what origin has written. He's written some really, really beautiful things, especially about um, like the song of songs. And he's written some amazingly beautiful things, which is ironic. But uh, anyways, I, as soon as this comes out of my mouth, I was like, why is the first one I tell the bishop a heretic? Like, <laughs> what about the fact that I love Evagrius or St. Mark the ascetic or like why origin? But anyways, then I followed it up with, I also really like Evagrius, which makes sense if <laughs> I like origin, but the, so anyways, we're not talking about origin today. We are talking about Evagrius. So the, the part I want to share from Evagrius is in his text on discrimination in respect of passions and thoughts. So for those of you who are new listeners or who don't remember this, I had talked in a, a previous episode about how dis- discrimination is the the word that's used, at least in, in this kind of translation, to mean discernment in the East. So so this is discernment of thoughts. Of of Evagrius is talking about how to tell which of your thoughts are from the demons, which of your thoughts are from yourself, and so on and so forth. And it's really dark in this room. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this light on. Hold on, Father Michael, say something witty while I lean away to turn the light on. So there was once this guy walking through the forest, and he found a hole in the ground, and the hole he couldn't see the bottom of it. It was just like darkness. And so he took a little pebble and threw it down the hole and he didn't hear the pebble hit the bottom. So he picked up a bigger rock. He threw the bigger rock down the hole. He didn't hear the rock hit the bottom. So finally, after throwing like three or four different things down there, he went and found this massive boulder, like a massive boulder. He took the boulder, rolled it with all of his might, hurled it down the hill hurled it in the hole, excuse me, as he's standing by the hole waiting to hear this boulder hit the bottom, this goat comes running by and just jumps headlong into the hole. And as they stand there going, what the heck? This farmer comes along and says, hey, have you seen my goat? And the guy goes, yeah, your goat just literally came running by and jumped down this hole. And the farmer goes, that couldn't have been my goat. My goat was tied to a boulder. (laughs) That's really funny. Thank you. How did you just think of that? Like, (laughs) that's my favorite joke. I I've told it a million times. (laughs) Wow. Well, you. I don't think I've ever heard you tell it. So that's sorry. You has nothing to do with Evagrius. I know. Well, you put me on the spot. Something. I I know. I'm. (laughs) If you had done that to me, I would have just sat there the whole time, like, oh. (laughs) So that was impressive. That if we have time at the end, I don't want to do another squirrel right now because I know people will get upset about that. But if we have time at the end of the episode, remind me to tell the story about finding bigger and bigger rocks in the Sea of Galilee because it's a okay. great story. Um, oh no, I've told that story. That's how I got the rusty sheet of the rusty piece of metal in my pinky when we oh. were in the Holy Land. But okay. well, I don't know if I told the story. Maybe I just told about the metal. And we're gonna move on. So Evagrius, this is his uh, from his text on discrimination or his discernment in respect of passions and thoughts. So he says, and, well, I won't preface. Okay, so he says, of the demons, (laughs) of the demons opposing us in the practice of the ascetic life, there are three groups who fight in the front line. Those entrusted with the appetites of gluttony, those who suggest avaricious thoughts, and those who incite us to seek the esteem of men. So 
So Vagres is saying that as, as we're practicing asceticism, as we're trying to, to and, and asceticism is something that all are called to, not just monks and nuns, but all, um, asceticism, prayer and fasting. The Father Michael would add almsgiving into that. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Anyways, the he says, for those of us who are trying to practice asceticism, the demons are going to oppose us in, in three major ways on the front line. Gluttony, avarice, and vainglory, basically, seeking the esteem of men. And you look a little confused right now. Should I just keep going? No, no. Just you, please define the three of those, though. Okay. So, so. I mean, glut- you, you, you did esteem, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. I think esteem of men is actually more understandable than vainglory. That's kind mm-hmm. of the. But so I'm going, I actually, I'm going to do an episode at some point on all of the eight evil thoughts, mm-hmm. which these are three of the eight evil thoughts. And so, the eight so, evil sorry, thoughts were quick. come up with by Evagrius. Mm-hmm. He's saying that these are all separate demons. It's like three different demons or three classes of demons, or is it three just, groups of demons? Yeah. Three groups of demons and that are assigned in a sense. This is one way, but this doesn't mean we don't need to take this completely literally, but it might be. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, demons that are actually, their job is to tempt us towards gluttony, avarice, yes. or vainglory. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so gluttony, so the reason I say I'm going to do an episode on this is because I am going to go into detail of each of these, of the eight evil thoughts. So, but gluttony to, to be simplistic um, is an overindulgence. So it could be an overindulgence in eating or it could be other things. It's not only gluttony of the stomach, but that's the, the way in which it's primarily talked about. And then avarice is greed, right? So and then the last one, the, seeking the esteem of men would be vainglory. So what I find really interesting about this though, so Evagrius says that these are, like I said, the three, the three groups who fight in the front line, the three groups of demons. What I like about it is he then says, that is why the devil suggested these three thoughts to the savior. So he's talking about his temptation, yeah. the temptation in the desert. First, he exhorted him to turn stones into bread. So Evagrius calls that gluttony. Then he promised him the whole world if Christ would fall down and worship him. So that's what he's saying is the the avarice, the greed, wanting the whole world. And thirdly, he said that if our Lord would listen to him, he would be glorified and suffer nothing in falling from the pinnacle of the temple. So that's the what Evagrius says is the vain glory. He's seeking him to, he's inciting him to seek the esteem of men, giving him all of the all of the power. And um, so yeah, I can, I can pause and, and, and he goes into like, it's not just, he, he says, um, well, I'll just, I'll just share this part. So after he says that the three, these are the three groups who fight in the front line, he then talks about all the others. He says, all the other demons follow behind and in their turn attack those already wounded by the first three groups. So he would argue that these three groups are the ones that, that initially wound us. And then all the other evil thoughts spawn from those. He said, for one does not fall into the power of the demon of unchastity, unless one has first fallen because of gluttony. So it's like you overeat, you're feeling slothful. And that's when you're going to be unchaste. And um, nor is one's anger aroused unless one is fighting for food or material possessions or the esteem of men. So the anger comes from these other things as well. And no, and one does not escape the demon of dejection unless one no longer experiences suffering when deprived of these things, nor will one escape pride, the first offspring of the devil, unless one has banished avarice, the root of all evil, 
since poverty makes a man humble, according to Solomon. So he talks about how all of the, all of the evil thoughts or all of the demons <clears throat> come from these three groups. So, do you, do you want, like, I know you have two more. Um, I mean, if we get to them, if we don't, it's fine. Okay. Yeah, so say whatever you want to say. I have a question for you. Like, oh, snap. It's interesting. I, 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 think, I think this is kind of where you were going with this, but because um, you get what I'm saying, like a Vagrius considers that gluttony. Like Jesus fasted for 40 days mm-hmm. and was hungry. Like having a loaf of bread after 40 days of fasting would generally not be called gluttony. In, in, so but I, I know what he means. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, but th- that's what I wanted to explain because then I have my own thoughts too. Um, I think what we would consider gluttony would be, like, I, I remember years and years ago watching this show um, about this kind of life coach that found people that were just in a really bad place and he he uh, he kind of inspired them and kept in touch. Well, they, they did kind of follow. I didn't see the show, but they, on another show, they had a follow-up. It's like, hey, we're going to check back in with this guy. And this guy, he had, he had, been on the show because he needed a life coach because he was just very overweight. You know, this is normally what we what we think of as gluttony. It, it gets beyond this, but over overweight. And so when when this life coach kind of surprised him at work and said, "Hey, it's been six months since you've been on the show. How, well, how how are you doing? Have you kept up with any of the discipline that I asked you to do?" And the guy goes, "No, I've actually gained weight." And then literally the guy goes to his car and he has like <clears throat> twenty bags of like McDonald's takeout. Like just that he that he's just he's eaten and he's thrown the bag in the back seat because he goes to McDonald's like three or four times a day. So in other words, it, it that like that 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 is what I think we think of as gluttony. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I did a whole podcast on on Catholic stuff you should know about gluttony being a, what we call the gateway sin, just like you said earlier, sister. And that does come from Evagrius, where where if you if you overindulge in something, I mean, obviously, how, there's I was just listening the other day to a I, I've gotten into country music recently, so um, like a country song about like pretty much I can't blame it on the alcohol. Well, who, who's the who's the actor that sang that song? Blame it on the alcohol. Anyway. Um, like, so that we, people do a lot of stupid things when they're drunk A drunk could also be considered a form of, of gluttony. You know, it's, it's intemperance. Um, any sort of intemperance would be, would be a form of gluttony. And then that obviously leads to other sins. So there's a, when the body says, this is what I need to feel comfortable. Like I need, I need this much food or this much alcohol. When we let the body rule us and say, I need this much of anything, that it's always going to overdo it because the body is, is, when it's not understood to be attached and dependent upon the soul, the brain, the mind, the body is going to, going to be pretty self-serving. The body is going to be pretty selfish. And, and so it's going gonna, it's gonna to hoard, in a sense, hoard hedonism. It's going to hoard good feeling. Um, unless we train it through asceticism. And like, for instance, I used to drink at least one Mountain Dew a day from the day I was probably 12 years old, from the time I was 12 years old and a paper boy when I could buy money, buy a, a Mountain Dew, all the way through like third year of college. And so it was, I mean, that's horrible. Mountain Dew is 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 good and it was has a lot of caffeine, but it's like horrible for you. So now if I have a Mountain Dew, I, it makes me sick. Like I've, I've literally trained my body without really meaning to, but trained my body by drinking other things and eating slightly more healthy. Um, train my body to say like, this is not good for me. Like I, I have a Mountain Dew and I'm like, don't do that again. <laughs> like never put that into your body again. Like, and so th- there, there's a certain aestheticism. So 
the way that Evagrius calls, I, I get what C was getting at. He's, he's reading into the temptation, what that devil mm-hmm. was tempting Jesus with. Um, and there is a moment where you say, would you, at, at that point, would you take, are you, are you such a slave to food or to alcohol or to smoking or to any other video games, to movie watching, to whatever these various things that we may say are gluttonous. Are you such a slave to those things that if, if the devil came along and said, you're dependent upon this now, you know, and, and you just, you, you worship me or you, you give me a second of your time, give me a little bit of your attention and I will give you what you, what your body wants. You know, that's, that's, I think why the, what he, what he sees in Jesus where the devil Mm -hmm. was saying, it's not only, Hey, look, you get a bread, you get a piece of bread after 40 days. The devil's saying, yeah, you, but to have this, you need to be having a conversation and giving in to what I'm tempting you with. Right. I, I like, so, so John Cashin, St. John Cashin is the one who took Evagrius's eight evil thoughts and brought them West. And so when I actually, when I do the episode, pretty much everything I have to share about them is actually from Cashin, not directly from Evagrius, because I've had a hard time finding directly from Evagrius um, much about the eight evil thoughts because he, he, yeah, um, Cashin really breaks them breaks them open. But Cashin, when he talks about gluttony, he says that uh, the opposite of gluttony is control of the stomach. So I think that this is, this is the point of Jesus being, the, what Evagrius is saying about Jesus being tempted in the desert is um, that, that the devil is, is testing his control of the stomach. Like, are you, are you willing to, to go a little further? Are you willing to, um, or do you want to just, are you just going to break your fast? Because I, the devil, am reminding you that you're hungry. Like, do you have that lack of control over your stomach? Mm, right. And so, yeah. So I will say I've noticed with a lot of, so I, I read I read the, this is actually the, the post that the media team put up today when we're recording, July 12th, of the, what are you reading? Um, they put up the Antoreticos, which I'd been reading which is Evagrius, uh, Antoreticos means talking back. And so it's Evagrius gives the scriptures, he gives specific scripture passages to, to talk back against the, the thoughts that you're having. Um, sometimes, it's, sometimes it's like to confirm positive thoughts, but for the most part, it's, it's talking back against these, these evil thoughts. Hmm. And I liked the book more so, not so much because of the, Honestly, not because of the the scripture that was given in order to talk back, but because I it, it helped me to articulate some of the evil thoughts that I've had that I couldn't articulate before. That's that's why I've appreciated the book. But anyways, sometimes Evagrius will use certain passages to address certain situations, and I, and I notice this with a lot of the the Desert Fathers that when they use the passage for that particular instance, I'm like, you know. That's a stretch. <laughs> and so this could also be, as far as the gluttony, it could also, be a bit of a stretch too. But. I mean, th- this may be a stretch in, in thinking, but I think, like I even know that in our Byzantine lectionary, we, we do a one-year cycle. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, we, people hear the same gospels every year in our, in our lectionary. So I wonder if the, if you really read the scriptures over and over and over again, it's almost like you, have you ever heard, you know, bands that, that have a hit and they're playing the same song for 15 years on tour. And then, so you hear, you go to the concert and it's the song that's been on the radio for three years straight. 
and all mm-hmm. of a sudden they they have to sing it a little bit differently because I'm sure they just get totally bored with singing the same song every night and they have to mix it up a little bit now. Of course, scripture reading is different, but I wonder if sometimes the fathers have read so much scripture that they start delving deeper into what some of these meanings may be. And so there, there's kind of all the, the more stereotypical meanings, kind of what, what the author intended. And then there's the spiritual meaning, there's the allegorical meaning. And then they, ju- and then they just say like the, the depth of prayer that they're able to acquire shows these these other meanings and they don't they're not saying this is why this is what jesus meant by this they're just mm-hmm. saying that there there's all these this an onion there's all these these layers upon layers of the spirit working through these readings and here's how we could apply it to the specific situation or this specific vice virtue whatever so so speaking of taking taking the passages and applying them to specific vices. That's the last part of what I wanted to share from this, this passage from Evagrius is he says, I, I like this a lot because I think it speaks to what the, what the author wrote in the introductory note. I'm assuming that was, um, I don't know if that was, Never mind. I'm not going to say what I'm assuming. Cause I don't know who wrote this part. So anyways, the, when they said that he has, um, he possessed to an exceptional degree, the gifts of psychological insight and vivid description together with the ability to analyze and define the precision um, with remarkable precision, the various stages on the spiritual way. He, I think Evagrius has this great gift of, of really, yeah, it's this, this psychological insight. So he says in this, in the midst of talking about this discrimination of thoughts, he says, man cannot drive away impassioned thoughts unless he watches over his desire and insensitive power. So insensitive power is um, the, uh, like the, um, oh gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm sure it's in the glossary here, but insensitive power, do you know how to describe it off the top of your head? I don't. I mean, there, there's, I'm thinking, th- does it talk about like sensitivity or is it talking about like being incensed, like being mad? It's no, it's like the the aspect. So, insensitive power. I just looked it up in the glossary. When it's when it's okay. referenced in the Philokalia, is referring to the aspect of the soul. So he's saying so. Um, so he makes the distinction here between um, desire of the body and desire of the soul. So he says he destroys desire through fasting, vigils, and sleeping on the ground, and he man tames his insensitive power through long suffering, forbearance, forgiveness, and acts of compassion. So he's saying that that we fight desire by control over the body, right? By fasting and vigils and sleeping on the ground, like by by regaining control over the body is how we control these desires or how we fight desires. Um, whereas the insensitive power, the aspect of the soul is... We, we fight that by having control over our thoughts. So by long suffering and forbearance and forgiveness, and then the acts of compassion. Long suffering. How, what would forbearance be? Like, so I'm just trying to think here. Like I, I, I get... I get what he's saying about to discipline the body. Like the body, we we we're 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 trying to control our body so it no longer is screaming that it wants 
food or sleep or it gets it gets used to we build up good habits in our body by 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 not giving it whatever it wants mm-hmm. and our body learns that that it's like it's like a it's like training a dog right you know, if if the dog if the dog if you give it what it wants whenever it asks it's going to become to come to expect that it's going to say mm-hmm. i i'm expecting it so if you if you if one time you don't give me what i want i'm going to have a fit i'm going to have a meltdown i'm going to bark and bark and bark and bark and bark because because this is so odd and maybe if mm-hmm. i bark enough you're going to give me what i want because you give me what i want every other time so we we train the dog to say you know you, you have more experiences of not getting what you want. I'm not going to throw you what I'm what I have at the table. I'm not going to give you from my plate. And then you get used to not getting what I'm eating. And the, and then you have discipline. So I'm going to feed you. I love you. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you what you need when you want it. But I'm not going to just give it to you whenever you want it. So we train our bodies to say, just because my body wants something is 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 driven towards something. More often than not, I don't give it what it wants. And so it learns. Literally, I train my body through habit and virtue that my body says I get what I need I don't always get what I want you know mm-hmm. a, a, in a sense so so but how how does that work with and I'm I, I know I'm not asking you like you're a professor I'm just like like I'm trying to think through it as well well how, how does yeah. long suffering for instance train the train the soul so so you were so you were right on it's it's specifically it's not just the soul it's it's the you were right in this when you were when you were saying like insensitive in the sense of anger. So it's because okay. I just looked at, I'm looking at the longer definition now while you were speaking. So the <clears throat> the aspects of the soul um, that they're talking about here are according to the division formulated by Plato. So the the first aspect are um, so there's the appetitive aspect of the soul which I'm not going to get into because I don't have anything to say about it because I'm not a philosopher. And then there's the other two though, are the, the intelligent aspect or power and the insensitive aspect or power. So that's the one we're talking about insensitive, which often manifests itself as wrath or anger, but which can be more generally defined as the force provoking vehement feelings. And so so, so, so wrath or anger, like that's, that's sufficient, right? So long suffering and forbearance and acts of compassion, compassion, very directly fight against that. Right. So it's just, just as, as, um, if we are struggling with patience, often the way that we gain patience is by simply making it through lots of different situations, mm-hmm. um, in which we're fighting our own impatience. And so long suffering forbearance forgiveness helps us to like in choosing to forgive helps us to overcome the anger uh as we as we make hab- habit of it so yeah i'm i'm thinking it's like they'll they'll say that athletes you know it's 75% mental you know the, the, mm-hmm. we just had we just had the copa americana and the the um the euro you know so the like soccer just finished up yesterday right and 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 uh I'm not giving anything away. Argentina won in South America, and uh, Italy won in, in Europe. Yeah, so this is this, a, this is a month later. So, <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah, but yeah. So people, people, like this is 
other than the Olympics, probably even more than the Olympics, these are this athletes. That's the biggest game. So imagine, I should imagine being the goalie because the the whole the European between England and uh, and Italy went and I didn't watch it. I just saw on Twitter, but um, it went into oh, it went it like it went into a shootout. So they, they, they literally Italy won by shootout. And I, I can't even imagine being a goalie. I mean, entire nations, like the whole world is watching this. And so you, you need, like you, you've been training your whole life for this. Your body's ready. Your, you know, your legs are ready to spring and your arm's going to shoot out when the ball's kicked. But, but, it need, but you need to be mentally prepared. Like an athlete mm-hmm. has to be mentally prepared, especially under times like this of great anxiety. So, um, so I'm trying to bring this down. So if our listeners are asking, like, what do I do with this? I, I feel that the devil is tempting me towards gluttony, is tempting me towards towards greed, is tempting me towards, you know, the desire for acclaim and 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 you know attention. And like I see that. So what do I do about that? So there there's obviously Citri said the the ascetical life, prayer, fasting. Um, I I would usually creative ways of almsgiving to that as well. We train our bodies, as I just mentioned. We 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 the more we say no to even the simplest desires of our bodies, the better we train it so that the harder temptations that we've always given into, those become over time through the grace of God and through our own efforts um, in, in, in connection with the grace of God, those become easier to handle. We sin less for that reason. Um, so that makes sense with the body. With the mind, I'm, I'm just kind of seeing here like long suffering. So long suffering would be, I I, it, it's more mental. I'm, I'm preparing my mind. You would know it doesn't really matter what my body's saying. My mind is 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 continuing on. My mind is well. Maybe even this. Here's a good example. It's in my head. Um, when, when someone says something, I assume the best. I'm going to I'm going to not take immediate offense. I'm not going to be looking for for if they were trying to hurt me in some way. I'm going to I'm going to look for other ways and think of other ways and actually talk to them about it that I say maybe they didn't mean to hurt me. Maybe they didn't mean to to offend me this way and at least look for the best. That's in a kind of long suffering is is respectare. We talk about this as companions. Respectare means look again. Respect means look again in in, in English and it comes from the Latin. So in other words, if I respect somebody I'm going to look again to give them another opportunity to to show their true colors. Mm-hmm. Social media, texting, all this stuff is we we know we never know what the on the person's mind. It's it's too easy to misunderstand or, or to miss you know to not get my point across over those those um, platforms. Um, but when I when I kind of have this long suffering, this respect, Hari, looking again, giving someone the benefit of the doubt, that that is a that's a more mental practice. And if we get in the habit of, of doing that, um, it's a much more peaceful life, and and it leads to, you know, pre- it prevents anger, prevents the other things as well. So anyway, hmm. random thoughts, and it looks like um, your Wi-Fi is back acting, so I can stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw I, your I wife. I was horrible, so I just kept on talking. <laughs> I mean, I heard most of that. You've been talking a okay. while, but the, <laughs> but the it, that's that's a good lead in actually into the the part I wanted to share from Cashin because it is the the part I wanted to share is from the something that he'd written on the eight evil thoughts, specifically on the evil thought of anger, because this was oh, it was just so good to me when I read I I read it a couple a couple of years ago. The so Cashin just because I said I would do a, a little bio of them. Cashin was he was born around the year three hundred and sixty, so I think maybe like fifteen years after 
um, of Agrius, but he, so he was a disciple of Evagrius. Then he went to Constantinople where he was ordained a deacon and he was a disciple of St. John Chrysostom. So he, um, his two main works are the Institutes and the Conferences, both written in Latin. And in those, Cassian summarizes the, the spiritual teaching that he received in Egypt from Evagrius, mostly Evagrius. And then he adapted it to somewhat different conditions of the West. And that's where, um, that's where he brought the the eight evil thoughts or the the eight vices, as it's called in the Philokalia, which are then later. Two of the eight evil thoughts are combined. Another two are combined. One is added, and that becomes the seven deadly sins that we hear about in the West. So, okay. but I'll, I'll go into the historical detail of that when I do the episode on the eight evil thoughts. So, the part I wanted to share about anger. Because I just I I found this this part absolutely fascinating. He says, "Oh, that's not the correct page." <laughs> I was like, "That's not what I wanted to read." The okay, he says, "Self reform and peace are not achieved through the patience which others show us, but through our own long suffering toward our neighbor." When we try to escape the struggle for long suffering by retreating into solitude. Those unhealed passions we take there with us are merely hidden, not erased. For unless our passions are first purged, solitude and withdrawal from the world not only foster them, but also keep them concealed, no longer allowing us to perceive what passion it is that enslaves us. On the contrary, they impose on us an illusion of virtue and persuade us to believe that we have achieved long-suffering and humility because there is no one present to provoke and test us. And he then, he then goes on to talk about how we, we then can start to realize this because he says, as soon as something which does arouse and challenge us, our, our hidden and previously unnoticed passions immediately break out like uncontrolled horses that have been kept long, unexercised and idle, dragging the driver all the more violently and wildly to destruction. Uh, he says, poisonous creatures that live quietly in their lairs in the desert display their fury only when they detect someone approaching. And likewise, passion-filled men who live quietly, not because of their virtuous disposition, but because of their solitude, spit forth their venom whenever someone approaches and provokes them. This is why those seeking perfect gentleness must make every effort to avoid anger, not only towards men, but also towards animals and even inanimate objects. So I just, I love this excerpt from, from Cashin because it's like how often... This, this can be a huge temptation for monastics, right? To just retreat into solitude because then we won't be invoked to anger or, we, or, or whatever it is that, that our, our community draws out in us. Like there's this beautiful image of monasticism, this beautiful analogy of living in a monastery is like living in a rock tumbler. And so we're all just like <laughs> being knocked around by each other and, and we're knocking off the, the sharp edges and, and eventually we come out smooth. And, the, and, and that's, that's what this is like. So it's, it's when, we, when we try to run away and hide from the things that are provoking us, it can have the double effect of... Um, making us think that we're virtuous <laughs> and that we've overcome this thing while also that thing is actually just growing within us. Now I want to make, 
I think there's a, a very, very important nuance to make here of if, if something is putting you in like immediate danger of serious sin, absolutely we should draw back and avoid it, right? So I'm, I'm not saying that we should just like put ourselves in the presence of, but, but be cautious about thinking yourself virtuous simply because you're hiding from the thing that, um, particularly when the thing that you're hiding from is a thing that you're called to be around. I guess that's the, that's the distinction, right? Like, um, if you, if you struggle with lust, like, well, I mean, no one should be looking at, at certain things. Right. And, and absolutely should be drawing back from that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I like that a lot. I, I do too. I, the, uh, I, that 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 puts into words what I've been thinking for a long time, and even you and I, sister, have had that conversation many times about about like my frustration with reading some of the the Desert Fathers, and and this it seems that they're running away from the world, and then all of a sudden they go into the city and they're sleeping with a prostitute. You know, after after being like. In, in in the monastery for years, that that's exactly why is is now again this, as the stories go, there's always some virtue that comes out at the end, especially forgiveness or or some sort of um, companionship, but accompaniment in in suffering and in mercy and in judgment. Um, but it is that th- yeah, that is beautiful. I, I really want if you can send me the the exactly where that is the 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 page number or whatever it is because that that's that 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 puts into words something that you're right. Whatever we're called a vocation, for instance, you know, I think within within with most men and with the way that we respond to um, the way that that women dress, like there's a balance there, you know, and and th- there's a balance in this. Need, you need wisdom. You need a spiritual director um, because we can't. Men just can't flee the world because the way that the way that many women dress is 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 you know a temptation for them towards lust like you you have to you have to see men have to see this as a challenge they need to actually grow in virtue so that they can engage with the world now again different to a different extent and in different contexts etc um, but I, I know a lot of men just kind of lash out at the way women dress as if they're complete victims you know as if they would they, they want to kind of go into the situation where there's nothing at all that's going to be in the least bit tempting you know and again there's a balance here you know that there's a time and a place for these things um, but I, I think there is something to say we need to stop in in this sense, in another sense, always be being victims. And I and again, just to make a quick disclaimer, I do think that as we've talked about before, I don't think women understand the way that men's brains work. I don't think when men understand the way that women's brains work. So there needs to be a certain humility with saying we don't understand how the other person. If we think we do, if we think they think like us, we're wrong. Um, but there there is this sense of of you, you don't again depending on what your own habit habitual sin is and 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 how your spiritual director and how our lord guides you to grow out of that but i really like that that there's a there's a discernment there like you talked mm-hmm. about earlier a discernment there about about how do i how am i wise and how do i go in the world and actually not run away from these things because as cashin says they they will just go deep and they will actually get worse and then you'll think you're virtuous just because you're away from temptation mm-hmm. you know that there there's a balance there that needs to happen this is like every time I go on Pustinia and th- th- we talk about this at our monastery a lot because it happens to all of us. That, you get away from the other nuns? Um, 
Yes, yeah. <laughs> seriously. So it's like I go into Pustinia and then I have this this beautiful prayer and this solitude. And at the end of Pustinia, I'm like, I love people. <laughs> I am the best at loving people because now I've had this huge conversion in my heart and I... I just, I've, I've totally accepted Jesus and everything that he's taught me. And I love people now forever. And then I walk out of Pustinia into Compline and nobody's there in the chapel because they're late. And did anyone think to slip me a note? No, they didn't. And now I'm furious and I don't like any people anymore. And it's like, it's as quick as that. <laughs> um, That's awesome. But this is why, and, and we all have this experience at the monastery, right? And this is why, um, or, or you come out of Pustinia and someone looks at you wrong and all of a sudden everything's, <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. So the... This is one of the things, though, that that Saint Basil the Great in in the rule of Saint Basil. So the rule of Saint Basil is not written like like a typicon like ours is. Um, the rule of Saint Basil is just his response to a lot of the to, to the questions that his disciples asked him, and so it's a Q and A kind of thing, just like catechisms used to be. So the Saint Basil, though, when he's he's asked, is it better to live in community or to live as a solitary? And he says, absolutely, it's better to live in community. And one of the reasons he gives is if you live alone, then whose feet will you wash? Which is my, my favorite. But, but I think that he also references something about this, of, of that living in community helps us to become aware of our own sin and, and our own brokenness. And I think that there's just a lot of truth in that. And it's why in, in monasteries, actually, uh, like in our monastery, in our Tipicon, you have to be a nun, a fully professed nun living in community for many years before you're allowed to be a hermitess and, or, or an anchorite or anything like that because you, you really do need the experience of community in order to not just be fooled into thinking you're perfect just because you're alone. <laughs> like, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that if you live alone, if you watch is one of my favorites as well. Mm-hmm. Another one of mine is actually from a, a more modern theologian, but the Lutheran theologian Bonhoeffer, um, talking about community, says, um, if, you, if you love the something like this, if you love the idea of community, you will destroy community. If mm. you love the brother, then you will build community. Mm. In other words, like this, it's... You, That's you very companions. Yeah, it is. You have to you have to love the actual people around you, and then you will that that will flow into good community. But if you have this ideal of community, then everybody, the actual humans, are going to get in the way of that because it's your idea of community. So if you, if if you love the idea of community only, in other words, you're going to destroy community because it, that's not what community is. Community is not your idea and everybody else falling into line with what you want. But if you love the brother or the sister, you love those who you are in the community with, then the the good community will happen because of your love for them rather than your love for the ideal of what community is. Sending with family, I mean obviously which is a community um, parish, etc. Hmm. So, yeah, I, uh, sorry, I'm having a, I'm having a lot of technology problems today. I was uh, worried about this, right? Cause I'm trying form. to over talk them when I see it. Cause I can see when you have the problem, I'm trying to over talk <laughs> it, but that's, I, anyway, breaking the fourth wall. If I see it go red, I just start talking. Um, okay. Well, I think, I think we're, uh, I think we're uh, into other things. Can you hear me? Okay, she can't hear me. All yeah, right, well, no, I can I w- hear you. I can. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go into shout outs and prayer then. I would recommend. Okay. 
unless you have one last thought. Do you have anything? You're you're in you're in yellow um, right now, so I'm just. No, I don't. I don't have anything else. Um, I let's see. Prayer intention. Um, I don't know who I want as my prayer intention. Mm. Okay, can I give a shout out then while you're... I have no idea if you can hear me or not because you're not responding. So, okay. <laughs> the, um, the Can you hear me? No, um, okay. <laughs> only a little um, bit. Why don't, why, don't you, why don't you give your shout out and say okay. a closing prayer and that'll be good. Okay, okay. Um, so the... I want to give a shout out to uh, the sister told me this. She checked the email. So thank you to uh, Kathleen Cogswell who sent me coffee. I, I appreciate that immensely. Um, it was coffee from your hometown of Plymouth, Plymouth, Massachusetts from Speedwell Coffee. I got three bags and one is already gone. I've had it like the past week. Um, so it is, it is good coffee. I appreciate you thinking of me and knowing that I want coffee. Um, yeah. And I, I have a prayer intention and I'm spacing her name right now. I've been racking my brain it's like a, a tree or a flower name. Anyway, I'll give the intention next time. So pray for this young woman um, who I have in my mind. Jesus knows who that is. Pray for the, whoever sister wants to pray for as well. Jesus, Jesus knows who that is. And then I'll finish with the blessings since she's having tech issues. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May our Lord grant you peace and conviction. May he allow you to see the attacks of the devil and therefore to ask him to conquer and be empowered by your angels to protect you from these attacks of the devil, especially the big three, as Evagrius talks about, of, of gluttony, of greed, and of a desire for attention or, or acclaim. May our Lord allow you to confront with his power, with his grace, uh, the temptations, if it will be helpful to your growth and holiness. May he give you wisdom to understand when stepping away from temptation is the best thing and also wisdom to understand when when fighting with his armor and his weapons, the weapons of faith will help you grow in holiness too. May our Lord empower everything you do. May everything you do for be for the upbuilding of the church, the kingdom of God, and for the salvation of your soul. May our Lord bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank Love you. you Love you. Love y'all. Love you guys.